Beware Maria. Maria talks about music, about education, about psychology and art, about sex and gender roles, about meaning and purpose, about things that are fun or interesting and can relate to each other. Maria has conversations with herself and with others and she finds it a bit odd to talk about herself in the third person. Just beware and think about it. Today I want to talk to you about something that happened to me a couple of years ago. It was a complete disaster, absolutely chaotic experience that ended up being one of the most fascinating adventures of my life and that changed me forever. So here it goes. Mm, up to December 2019, I was married. I was a Londoner. I was running my own company, a non-for-profit organization called Singing for Health, delivering activities on health and well-being for people who were coming to sing with me. I have worked with refugees, with people with different conditions, with people with no necessarily a condition, but community singing. I have worked in mental health settings and I have worked in a, in a variety of hospitals and for different boroughs. I have collaborated with MIND. I have participated in numerous events with regards to health and well-being and giving talks about it. Because I believe so deeply the power of arts and art making and in this case of singing and singing together and how it contributes to improve your health, your well-being, your breathing, your posture, your sound, the way you communicate with others, how it reduces your stress levels and the many things that it does for you. So that was my life. Oh
This was the Pandora's I Live My Life. January 2020, matrimonial crisis. It's just not clear what's going to happen, if we can work things through, if we can work things out. And finally, the situation becomes really, for me, unsustainable emotionally. I can't be there in that house anymore. And I leave, and I left to the house initially of a friend who decided that he could host me. So I'm very grateful for that. Things were getting worse. Pandemic was coming. I lost all my jobs. Vulnerable people were not coming out to sing. Actually, nobody was coming out to sing. As I saw, it was risky for my friend to have me in his place. As the pandemic was getting worse and we still didn't know how bad was this going to get. And I didn't have a source of income and I didn't have any family uh, close other than my son who was not staying with me at that point. I decided the safest thing I could do was take a plane, go to Spain and stay with my family while I decide what's going to happen. I make all my boxes, I take everything to Spain thinking I'm moving back just because I couldn't think. I wasn't really thinking on what I really wanted in that moment. And I was looking for safety. So I found that safety with my family. But it was hard. It was really hard. Spending the lockdown, the first lockdown in Spain, was, I think, a lot harder than if I had it spent it here, in the sense that here, uh, people were allowed to go for walks, but in Spain, and especially in Andalusia, where I was, people were not allowed walks. We had to stay all the time in the flat. We could only go for shopping food of or, or the chemist. And there was the army and the legion on the streets. It all had a flavor of war, of disaster. And I also internally had that sense of absolute disaster. I had lost everything. That felt irreal. I just couldn't believe what had happened in a period of only two months. In eight weeks, I had lost all my known world for the many last years. And a part of me, I suppose this is how shock feels. I can't believe it. There's a denial, I can't believe this is happening. This is surreal, this is irreal. I look out of the window, I see very few people walking in the streets. The military are stopping them and asking them for the tickets so that they justify them, I are walking. And I'm not in my home. And what is home in reality? I would imagine that a refugee can feel something similar, but a lot worse, with the additional dystopian experience of the bombings and the shootings and the killings. So I was lucky after all. I was being kept safe. I was being confined for my safety. I was feeling in a kind of point zero. One day after the other day and every day alike and not knowing what was going to happen. Where would I want to go and 
sad, really sad. Sometimes I felt like my life had been destroyed and I would never have been able to recover it. I did not want to be there sometimes. Sometimes I felt like I had done enough, I had lived enough. I didn't have the energy to go on. I cried myself to sleep every night and I looked to the sea from my window and from the other window. Looking forward to the day we would be allowed to go for walks, but actually feeling on the other hand that as far as I was confined, I didn't really need to make decisions. I could be stuck on a dead point. And it took me about until the month of June when I started to be a bit more reactive. And I think the walks did me good and did everything good. We went out and we saw the sea and the seashore and I've never seen it cleaner in the city where I was due to people not being able to go to the seaside and throw the litter there. And as much as I liked it there, I felt like I really did not belong there and I wanted to be back. Back to the UK and more specifically back to London, as I had been a Londoner since the year 2012. Two stumbling blocks. One, what job I'm going to be able to do if people are not yet allowed to sing together. And I decided that I could use my training in mental health, physical health, breathing um, and dealing with people to the service of becoming a social prescriber. So I started to apply. However, I thought it would be a lot better if I could be there while I have maybe interviews or I find other opportunities. How to do this if I didn't have the savings to pay for myself in, in London for, for too many weeks? Uh, I mean, not even for a week, possibly. I didn't want to ask the friends I had if they could host me until I have a job because how long is a piece of string? How long I'm going to be in London? How long is it going to take me to find a job? How difficult is it going to be for them to say, no, we can't host you? But I have been teaching something on the year 2019 to a group of people called How to Ask. Asking practice, which is a techniques that I learned in order to be able to feel that you can ask what you need and what you desire and also optimize, maximize your options for getting it. I thought if I teach this and I have taught it, I should be able to prove that I could do it big way. So I started to put my brain to work harder in order to ask bigger and to feel bigger. Suddenly, I was starting to get in touch with my life force. The first thing I felt is that I had to come back here. And this is how I did it. I can't spend too much time buried in a room with a frozen I can relate to you I can get 
Listen to Arranging My Life from Charlie Bottom. First of all, I noticed that by thinking I want to be back to London, that little sprout of life force was emerging and I was in touch with it and I feel a little bit more alive of what I had been feeling before. Now, if I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask big, let's ask everybody, or at least not just my friends, but my acquaintances and the friends of my friends. And even better, instead of asking one by one, let's, let's ask everybody at once. So what I did was I created a YouTube channel and a blog where I tell my story and I explain the reasons why I wanted to be back here. Now, one of the things that I explained when I'm talking about asking practice is that when you are asking something from someone, in a way, you are making them participate in your life. And I didn't want to ask from a different point of view, victimizing myself, pity me, look what has happened to me. True, it's very sad and I had a horrible time, but I need to feel the excitement in myself. And when I feel it in myself and in my body, I can communicate it and maybe I can get people excited about it too. So I created my blog, I created my videos in YouTube telling people, you can participate in my challenge. You can participate in my challenge by either hosting me from a minimum of three nights and a maximum of seven nights so I'm not going to be stuck in your flat or you can share this video that also helps me you can also help me by coming to me and giving me your ideas on what else could I do and you can give me something that is very important to me which is your words of support and yes that is going to help me loads into this challenge and what is it that I'm going to do I'm going to go to London on the 2nd of July and I will stay until the end of September. Come September, 
and I don't have a job, I'm going back to Spain. If I have a job, there you know, I have a job, I have succeeded, I will have a place to stay, and I'm staying here. I started publishing my videos while I was in Spain, and I was publishing also what days I was going to be where and in which way. This was already, I got so busy, I got so engrossed in making the videos and, and showing, um, making the blog also, that I did not realise how much of the depression I was having was going out of myself just by doing that. Because I had a focus, because I had a force, I had something that was moving me forward. And also because I could prove to myself and to a few people that, that saw my video, but I didn't really need a lot of people to see it. Just the right people. Just the people who would step forward. And this is what exactly happened. People that were acquaintances that I didn't really know that well or that I would not have asked them to host me started to step forward. I have a room. I have space for you. Hey, you can have the keys of my flat. I'm going away. People came to me and gave me ideas on what I could do. And it was an amazing experience to feel that when you reach out to the community, the community can be there for you. I tried to give back in my videos and reply questions of people who were making questions and always keep engaged and tell better words what was happening so that every viewer would have a stake on my story. And also I would say to them, I am publicly committing to do this. I am publicly committing that in short time I, I want to have a job and I want to be able to stay in London. And I would also say, if I fail, I'm going to miserably fail in front of everybody. Acknowledging this in public was making me feel somehow exposed, but also safe. I knew that it's okay to fail, so if I do it, you're all going to see it. My adventure had already started, and I felt I was transforming my fear and my pain into desire, direction, and adventure.
shots. Let me show you how to take it up a notch. Get a swimming pool full of liquor and you dive in. Swimming pool full of liquor and you dive in. Why you only taking only two or three shots? Let me show you how to take it up a notch. Get a swimming pool full of liquor and you dive in. Swimming pool full of liquor and you dive in. And you sleep. This was repeated by the wimps. A lot of things happened. I spent uh, some days in Peckham. I spent days in an Airbnb, thanks to a donation. I spent days in north of London. I spent 10 days looking after a rabbit and a dog pet sitting because someone gave me that idea. Maria, have you ever pet sit? No, but I've looked after pets. Yes, but there is a website where you can do that. There I go. And I got a mansion, beautiful mansion in, in Kew Gardens, uh, from where I was saying, you see, you don't always need to own things in order to be able to use them. As I'm giving a service, and there were two lovely animals. You can see the blog if you're curious about it, because it, you can still find it under www.mariainlondon.xyz. Now, I don't know how long I'm going to keep it there under that domain, it's a free weeks because it's not a website that I'm really doing a lot with it. So if you happen to listen to this episode and that address is not operative, you can always ask me for the link to see whatever I have it now uh, to bewaremaria at gmail.com where you can contact me for that or for anything related to my program. Lots of things happen, lots of adventures happen. And finally... I was uh, offered a position to work for the British Red Cross in Basingstoke, which is not London. The, it is f- like 50 minutes in the train to London, and I accepted with joy. And I said I will move to Basingstoke, even if I've never been in Basingstoke, if I get this position. And I must say I'm really grateful to the British Red Cross for the opportunity, because I've learned loads and loads and loads by working for British Red Cross. I have had the most difficult conversations with service users, being able to use and expand the training I already had, and to get even more training, a more interesting experience, and a perspective of how the NHS works and and the relationship between the social prescriber, the NHS, and and the Red Cross. So that's how I ended up here for the moment. I don't know where my life force is going to take me next. I know I want to do more coaching. I want to do more teaching. I want to do more singing. And I want to most especially always follow what is alive. No matter if big or small, but what is alive. And this is what I do in myself and in other people, in the relationships that I pursue, follow what is alive. As I now managed to live my life as a happy and independent person. Oh
I live my life by the Pandoras. And yes, it looks happy and I can say I'm happy now, but I can't say it was easy. It sounds easy, maybe if I explain it in 30 minutes, but actually it was a very hard process. And uh, while I was swapping house, house after house, coming to London only with one suitcase and one rucksack, leaving everything behind that I had taken back to Spain, I was happy and sad at the same time. And I think that in reality, this is how I really am. When I say I'm a happy person, I'm not sure that is always the case. I think there's always things that I'm happy about and there's always things I'm not happy about. I'm happy that I succeeded in doing these. I'm not happy that I had to go through it. I'm happy that uh, I'm learning so many things. Uh, I'm not happy about what's happening in the world. I'm happy for the opportunity to support a lot of people, and many of them are people who have also lost their jobs or their homes, which I totally understand and relate to. I'm not happy to see the amount of sadness, isolation and misery that there is. So I decided that by being happy and enjoying my life as much as I can, if at the same time I can support in different ways others who are not that happy, sharing what I know using my skills and my experience, that would also be my life force for the rest of my life. And I'm leaving you with Koi Mamba, he's also very, very alive. Have a lovely day, evening, afternoon, and I see you in the next episode.
they cannot you see they succeed oh gosh they feel higher cause maybe they're comparing love and when i try to express myself so that you know i have something to say let's make some noise i'm gonna make it loud i use my voice this reggae music is making a choice to respect religions even if you haven't got respect human gaze raises around make it loud from deep inside what i want to share is positive vibes connect with the nature roots are behind wisdom out of our life if i listen carefully reggae life i can see there's a joy reggae life and there's unity and freedom reggae life Freedom, regular life is the only wisdom, regular.